forever. Dog. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, Scary Scary Stories Stories to Tell tell on the Pod. pod. It is a podcast about scary stories, urban legends, spooky things you tell us about, and it is a comedy podcast that is very chatty about those things. So um, instead of like a ghoul with flesh hanging off of its bones, think of a ghoul with flesh hanging off its bones wearing a big hoodie sweater and a top ponytail that like wants to gossip with you. Oh my God, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my a God. Top ponied ghoul. I really like this image now. It's a ghoul who has sisters. So she's like casual. Yes. Ghoul who has sisters. Mom works at an ice cream shop. I long for the casual energy of a woman who has a lot of sisters. <laughs> that's what I'm always working towards. And I have always said that a top pony is one of the keys to comedy. There was a time where I. I put my hair up in a very, very high pony at work, and it changed my personality. And Allison and I call it the evil ponytail. And it made me like a very confident. I will say it basically gave me the energy of a woman with a lot of sisters. Yes. Where I was just saying what I thought. <laughs> it was like yanking the opinion out of my brain. That is that is exactly it, Anna. I, I really, something about a top pony, it just, it accentuates everything you say. Everything is high energy because your hair is going everywhere with even the slightest moment. It's, it's, it's shooting out <laughs> through your crown chakra. It's, it's, it's anchoring that energy to our realm. I know. Yeah. The old pebble, pebbles Flintstone look, you know? The old pebble Flintstone pebble. look. Wow. It is fully grab here. It's a good grab a clock somewhere. (laughs) And that somewhere is here. (laughs) Listen, people, listen up. We're doing a podcast now, okay? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a podcast. It's not going to be not a podcast. It is not not a podcast. Everything that's going to happen from this point on is going to be a podcast. So just think about that, okay? (laughs) Until you hear the end, that little er 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 and then the forever dog. It's a this is a podcast. We like to get enthusiastic verbal yeses. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I still have a cold because it's the same day as the other episode. Yeah, so. you uh, we're giving you a peek behind the curtain. I'm queen for a week. <laughs> Listen, this email today comes to us from the sweet, the incomparable. <gasps> The dulcet-toned, the friend, Mara Wilson. Oh, Mara. Mara texted Andrew and I a few weeks ago. and oh, I'm sorry, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. And said, Happy Thanksgiving. I am in Chester County, Pennsylvania. And I just read a story about a haunted former inn nearby called the Blue Ball Inn. Oh, <laughs> Where an old lady named Prissy murdered people who stayed there. <laughs> if you guys are interested in hearing the rest, I took photos out of this book. I <laughs> Andrew, and then she said, Andrew, this seems like your kind of thing. A bitter, murderous old woman. <laughs> <laughs> no one has captured my interests more than Mara Wilson, and that is the God's honest truth. <laughs> Mara knows. 
Um, and I said, Prissy, no. And then Mara emailed us. The subject line is Prissy, no. From Mara. Um, and then there are these pictures from this big, delicious coffee table book. Yes. With, like just a coffee table book from before. With it's the certain color of the page and yeah. the text. It just it's nice. At least at least late eighties. That's the latest it could be. Yeah, if this had a map of the world, it would definitely have USSR on it. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, so the email reads. So this is from a former inn in Chester County, PA called the Blue Ball. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Blue Ball Inn. And this is a quote. It stands alone like a goblin in gray, the old fashioned inn of a pioneer day. In a land so forlorn and forgotten, it seems like a wrath of our past rising into our dreams. James Newton Matthews. A His hands cl- in gray. It's like a scary story opening with sort of a, what's that called? An epigram? Or yeah. Poem? Uh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Give me the SATs now. I'd ace it. I'd- <laughs> his hands clutched the gold coins, pushing them further into the corners of his deep trouser pockets. He knew it was ridiculous to be so apprehensive just because of a few rumors. But as he neared the inn, that same feeling of uncertainty and fear overwhelmed him. Okay, I, I wasn't expecting it to be like a story story. This I was is a story. Be, this is fiction. I like it. I oh, like it this too. Is, oh, this is a not true story. I don't know. Okay. Wait, the blue ball in, I think, is a real. Hold on. Let's see. Let's Look, see. We, don't, we don't read the emails before we're saying them. Yeah, we're 220 episodes in here, and, and I hope by now we've established trust enough to say that Anna and I, Anna and I really fly by the seat of our pants at every at every given moment. This is a real place. It's a real place. The Blue Ball Inn is. Oh, okay. It's real. It's real. Okay. Hold on. Here we go. But as he neared the inn, the same feeling of uncertainty and fear overwhelmed him. Was someone watching his careful approach or was his tired mind overreacting again? This is my, I feel this way all the time. As he stood (laughs) facing the tavern, his clothes wet from the cold rain that slashed to his back, his eyes were drawn to the uppermost portion of the house. Small, crescent-shaped windows glazed with ice seemed to peer down at him, mocking him with the amused eyes of a deaf-mute who knows but cannot tell. Well, well don't do that. And now we are now we know when it is. Everybody, don't please don't use deaf-mutes as um, fodder for scary stories. Really rough. Mm, yeah, and I feel like, you know, and I agree with Andrew. <laughs> the front door of the inn opened and a tall, somber-looking woman grunted a welcome and beckoned... <laughs> This is me. Tag yourself. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> and beckoned the peddler to come in from the rain. The sight of a warm blazing fire and the rich scent of apple turnovers baking in the hearth dispelled his fears, and the tense lines in his face began to relax. With a wide grin of relief, he stepped into the long commons room and, jingling the precious coins in his pocket, asked if old, asked old Prissy if she had a safe place to keep his belongings. That cold, gray winter afternoon, the old peddler became one of many who mysteriously disappeared from the Blue Ball Tavern in Dalesford. Wow. Old Prissy, as she was sometimes called. Okay, now we're into the factual, guys. Okay. We started with a story and now we're into the facts. Yeah, now we are, we are, this is full history book now. I feel comfortable now. Yeah. Old Prissy, as she was sometimes called, was Priscilla Moore Robinson, a proprietress and innkeeper of the Blue Ball. <laughs> <laughs> she was the terror of the town's children and the menacing figure around whom many dark tales revolve. The tavern had been in Prissy's family since 1759, 
when her grandfather, Dr. Bernhard Van Leer of Marple, oh my God, <laughs> purchased it and 209 surrounding acres from Conrad Young. The original blue ball was located on the old Lancaster Road, just south of the railroad. It was known as the Halfway House since it was a central point between Skokol Ferry and Downings Mill, now Downingtown. Mm. Van Leer per- leased his inn to a number of tavern keepers over the years. One of them was Captain Thomas Reese, who, as we can see from a memorandum found in the remembrances of Christer- Christopher Marshall, did not keep a very clean establishment. <gasps> in, seven- in September 1778, it was written, Reach Captain Reese's Tavern at the Blue Ball by dusk. Here we took up our residence for the night. We drank coffee for supper and supped in our great coats, stockings, etc. For fear of, quote, fleas and bugs. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> the, oh, the kitchen at the old ball had little to offer the sensitive palate. The daily menu consisted of salt pork and turnip tops. Along with a heavy sour bread that was allowed to rise using a leaven of boiled hops. That is a goddamn nightmare. Oh my god. You know what I'm in the mood for? A sour, heavy bread. And I'm going to finish it off with a coffee? That is a mess. You are in for a world of hurt. (laughs) Turnip top. In 1786, Dr. Van Leer died. I wonder what from. Jeez mm. Louise. Yeah, he choked on some mysterious mass in his throat. <laughs> Dr. Van Leer died, leaving his tavern and land in the stony valley of Trederfrin. <laughs> it is spelled so crazily. That was being made up as it was said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what's this town called? I have a name. Hold on. Grib, grib, grib. Grab and grab, grab. <laughs> um, uh, Tredefin to his daughter Mary and her husband Moses Moore. With the completion of the new stone turnpike in 1794, the old Lancaster Road became deserted and the ball was severed from its patrons. Because of this, the owner of the inn decided to erect a new tavern of the same name directly on the turnpike. Although both houses were located on the same parcel of property, this new, larger tavern was considerably farther north than the first one. The two-story house built around 1790 was made of Pennsylvania trapstone. Oh. The third floor, with its curious semicircular windows, was added after a fire had partially destroyed the house. In the early 1800s, when Prissy took over the inn from her mother, strange stories began circulating about the tavern and its new owner. According to these tales... Peddlers and tinkers, weighed down with profits from selling their wares, would frequently stop at the inn. They supped by the firelight in the cozy kitchen and then were and were then sent off with a glass of strong whiskey or hot rum to the upstairs room for a night's sleep. None suspected it might be their last. Ooh. Muffled cries were sometimes heard in the hours before daylight, followed by soft thuds and a low, consistent noise in the kitchen below. <gasps> like that of shovels scraping against dry, parched earth. By dawn's first light, Prissy, wearing her starched white bonnet, was in the kitchen serving steaming mugs of black coffee and freshly baked sugar donuts. In answer to the many questioning glances, old Prissy explained that one of the clumsy tinkers, snuffing her whiskey, had fallen down the dark staircase, so she had dragged him to the door and sent him off. They nodded, but few were convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Legend has it that soon after this episode, 
a woman's body was found hanging from the wall that enclosed that very stairway. What? Prissy called it suicide, but many doubted her word, for the dead woman had been a likable sort and a very wealthy lady. Wow. No, yeah, likable likable people would never be depressed. <laughs> wealthy people have no problems. <laughs> As the railroad began to push its way through, the presence began to affect Prissy's business. She fiercely hated it and all those connected with it, for its efficiency and speed quickly replaced turnpike travel and greatly diminished the need for roadside inns. Hating a, hating a railroad is is a very prissy quality. Yeah, that is. I, <laughs> like having a problem with an entire industry is very funny. To yeah, me. she's like horses are nothing, you know? Prissy's main competition, the General Paoli Inn, prospered during this time, for the railroad had chosen it as a major station stop. Prissy was enraged that her business was dwindling, and she didn't hesitate in letting the railroad know it. Day after day, she waited for the train to rumble by. As it neared her inn, old Prissy would shake her fists violently at it and shout unpleasantries. Oh my, I love shaking a fist. I love that as an accentuation of anger. Shaking fists and cursing at a train. I mean, (laughs) Andrew, you live not far from a train. I've, I've done the same thing. You could try it today. I know. Just lean out in my starched white bonnet. Starched bonnet. My God. Wow. Um, <laughs> they knew her as a crass old wench and purposely infuriated her even more <gasps> by cheerfully waving and blowing their shrill whistles as they chugged past her. Oh, my God. Prissy's anger exploded when one of her favorite cows wandered onto the tracks. <gasps> no. Oh. Okay. One of her favorite landlords wandered onto the tracks and was go. struck by an approaching engine. <laughs> Not sad anymore. When her claim for damages was not immediately answered, she walked to the tracks, coating them with grease from the carcass of the animal, Prissy. Okay. And watching in amusement as the wheels of the converging train began spinning. <gasps> Having a captive audience, Prissy gleefully gave the crew a piece of her mind. Before the sun set that evening, Prissy was fully reimbursed for the loss of her heifer, wow. of her landlord. After this incident, the local Irish townies nicknamed the Blue Ball the scalp level tavern scalp is a gaelic word meaning knock em flat oh my god I don't, gaelic, I don't get it ga- i mean and i say this i say this as an irish a uh, person of irish heritage scalp is the grossest word i've heard it does sort of describe the whole situation i just it does scalp read. scalp that's a big scalp yeah you're not going to be surprised by the following paragraph okay Priscilla Moore was married several times. <gasps> yes. Each of her husbands, Edward Robinson, John Cahill, and John Fisher, vanished what? Vanished mysteriously. Anna, I am ascending right now because this is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and Andrew, this next sentence is really more of a song, so I'm dedicating it to you. Thank you. Prissy died in 1860 at the age of 100. Oh, Wow. She is buried at the Great Valley Presbyterian Church in Powley. Her simple gravestone, blackened by the forces of time and nature, sits alone, apart from all others. In 1894, the house was sold and became a private residence. The owners believed that the house was haunted. Eerie cries heard throughout the house at night scared off the help, and word spread quickly that the Blue Ball Inn was not a desirable place to work. Shortly after moving in, the new owners began renovating the tavern. Six skeletons were found in the cellar beneath the kitchen, and one was unearthed in the orchard. What? 
An article in the Philadelphia Inquirer stated that the human skeletons were complete and intact, <gasps> quote, although some showed broken bones or cleft skulls. <gasps> the paper also reported that a broad-bladed revolutionary sword had also been found half hidden under one of the victims. Oh, Prissy! Prissy! Many believe that Prissy was roused from death's slumber by the discovery of her murderous deeds. Okay. She's said to have been seen stalking the house at dusk as if searching for something left behind. From the bedroom where Prissy used to sleep, bureau drawers have been heard opening and closing of their own accord. Some think it is she who violently opens and shuts them, looking desperately for new garments to replace her blood-soaked ones. Oh. Does Priscilla Robinson's presence still linger within the walls of the old hostelry? Or has it all been the creation of an overactive imagination? We visited the Blue Ball Inn and asked Ron and Carol Keeler, its present owners, what they thought. It was indeed a strange feeling to be sitting in the long commons room that raw November night, the same room that so deceived the old peddler almost 200 years ago. Ron explained that the tavern room, as well as the parlor, was once housed in this section of the inn. But during renovations, that wall dividing the two was done away with, thus creating one long commons room with two good-sized fireplaces. The original random width floors are in excellent condition and are made of Pennsylvania longleaf pine, a tree extinct since 1860, <gasps> the year that Prissy went extinct. Oh, Bye. that is scary. Behind the commons room and one step down is the original kitchen. The walk-in fireplace where Prissy cooked her steaming suppers covers an entire wall. Oh, same fireplace. <sighs> the two doors situated opposite each other in the room allowed for a horse to drag huge logs for the fire in through one and exit through the other. Oh, my God. I mean, if your house isn't designed for a, a horse to drag logs and just keep trucking straight through. Yeah. You're gross. <laughs> you're broke. You're broke. You're broke. Get a bed frame. <laughs> When a new kitchen was added, this room became the book room. Wooden shelves filled with an array of books lined the three walls from ceiling to floor. Secured in the rafters of the room is a small handcrafted ladder, which, when pulled down, exposes a trap door. Many a night, old Prissy would climb that ladder to her bedroom above, which is now the master bedroom. Ron and Carol moved into the blue ball with their two children, Katie and Heidi, in 1980. Oh. Oh my god, this is the most Gen X childhood I can I imagine. Oh wow. I K guess this is I guess they're millennials. Like Katie and Heidi. Katie and Heidi. They had heard the gruesome tales about the house, but the charm of the old place overpowered their fears. Soon after they moved in, Mrs. Keeler was visited by an old man who claimed his mother lived in the ball as a child. He seemed to know his way around each room, as his mother had described them to him in great detail. He even knew of the priceless old record book kept locked in an antique cabinet in the commons room. This fragile leather-bound book contains the complete records of ownership to the property from the land title dated July 28, 1714 to the present. Legend has it that if the book should leave the bounds of the house, disaster will soon follow. Mm. The peculiar little man, tag yourself, after slowly making his way to the staircase, bent over and began tapping. After a moment or two, he straightened up and, with a flicker of excitement in his eye, turned to Mrs. Keeler and told her his mother had been right. The section of the wall behind the staircase was hollow. <gasps> he looked curiously at Mrs. Keeler and asked whether she had any idea what Prissy had done with all the money she had stolen from her victims. <gasps> she didn't know. He then related a tale he had heard from his mom concerning its whereabouts. Without further ado, he bid her farewell and departed on foot in the direction of Route 30. 
The man never returned to the blue ball, and his theory concerning the stolen loot remains untested. What? The killers! You need to... Uh, you're, you're just going to let that sit? Keelers. Keelers. What are you doing? Lady Bridges looked at me guilty. <laughs> good girl. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh my God. Ron Keeler claims that on several occasions he has heard a series of quick three quick knocks coming from the book room. The first time, I can't believe that. Open it. Don't tell us where it is and then not open it. I know. You're going to get rabbed. Rabbed. Lady Bird thinks I'm talking to her still. Hi. <laughs> She's upset that a, a pillow is slightly on top of her favorite blanket. <laughs> she's upset and she's staring at me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Ron Keeler claims that on several occasions he's heard a series of three quick knocks coming from the book room. The first time he heard it was not long after they moved in. Thinking a neighbor was knocking on the door to welcome them, he opened the door only to find the freshly fallen snow undisturbed oh, by human footprints. That's scary. Another time when Mrs. Keeler was out... Ron heard the distinct sound of feet shuffling across the wooden floorboards of the commons room. When investigated, he found no one about. Both children were asleep in their beds. Children are always doing this. They're always sleeping in their beds. I know. And you can't stop them. They love it. They love bed. (laughs) So far, Ron is the only one in the family who has heard these nerve-wracking sounds. His wife, though she doesn't doubt his word, finds it all a bit amusing. A man who used to live at the ball told us his his housekeeper resigned after feeling an, quote, iron-like grip on her shoulder well right after this incident his dog took to growling and snarling at apparently empty rooms <gasps> yes one evening the hound refused to follow his master up the stairs to bed uh calling instead, calling a dog a hound is very much a andrew st- i was just gonna say that yeah that is a ghost story that's ghost story behavior oh i've never called ladybird a hound before is she and she is you a hound you're a hound. She doesn't know what to do with that information. Good girl. She, she looks so unsure. She's like, I guess I am a hound. I don't know. The hound refused to follow his master up the stairs to bed. Instead, he remained on the landing, ready to pounce on some unseen interloper lingering at the top of the stairs. Hi. Oh. The killers don't feel threatened at all by the ghost of Priscilla Robinson. They love their home with all its eccentricities, are doing a wonderful job of restoring it. Bent and weary from so many years of work of use, the original hitching post still stands firmly in front of the house. By the side door, a wooden signboard has been erected. It reads, The Blue Ball Inn, 1790. A friend made it for the killers shortly after they moved in as a salute to the history of the tavern. The sign had only been up a short time when a car pulled into the drive And a lady rolling down her window said, table for two. (gasps) Since then, a few others have noticed the tavern sign and thinking it to be an active saloon have dropped in. Oh, interesting. The Keelers are warm, gracious people, and we'd like to thank them for opening their home to us and allowing us to sample a taste of true American history. Oh, this this first of all, Mara, this is exactly up our alley. So thank you for sending us. It really is. And then it's from a book called... Inns, Tales, and Taverns of Chester County by Meg Daly Twaddle. Wow. Uh, Meg, great work. Great work, Meg. Great work, Mara. Great work, Prissy, frankly. It's so cute. And yeah, and it's someone's private house. And then Mara, I guess, drove by it and took a picture. That is so great. And it does look like a gray goblin. A goblin in gray. Oh, my God. Anna, I have to ask, because this question is begging to be answered okay 
who are we casting as Prissy? <gasps> oh, God, that's such a good question. It's an amazing part. Yes. I feel like everybody's going to – I feel like a lot of hots are going to want to play Prissy. A lot of hots are going to – but I feel like there's going to be a Twitter campaign to get Cherry Jones in there, which I feel like is right. <sighs> it just depends on what the budget is. That's exactly it. You know? Because it's – yeah. It, does Billie Eilish want it, you know? I, I, f- I find her to be too likable. Yeah. She's too um, easy to relate to. I feel like Prissy has to be someone who um, with no or they you just believe them as a as a heel. <laughs> I, I know that largely this podcast ultimately devolves into talking about selling sunset, but I feel like Prissy oh. in the Oppenheim real oh. estate group would yep. fit in perfectly. I, I thought you're yes, she really would. She she would be like, I was originally um a murderous um i was in the restaurant industry <laughs> and i've been married a couple times didn't work out um and yeah i guess i just got in fights with my customers but i'm excited to i don't know sell houses question mark i'm not living in the past anymore the skeletons in my closet are buried in the basement and in the walls of my establishment and yeah ones in the orchard why <laughs> i got a i got i bit off more than i could chew one time I'm sorry. I thought it would help the apples. I would. I thought. What I thought. What you were going to say is that in the world of the Oppenheim Real Estate Group, that Prissy would be played by Christine Quinn. Yeah. Oh, that would be, imagine. Have those to agree. Entrances. A villain to the bone. It's yeah. got to be Christine. She knows. She understands it. Yeah. The needle drops. The needle drops. I'll be like, I cleaved his head, and I'm a girl boss at heart, and I am going <laughs> to work in my basement. <laughs> Tap, tap, tap every six years. (laughs) Can you find some fresh garments? These ones are covered in blood. I'm going to open a drawer. Girl boss, girl boss. (laughs) So this is the place. It's um, eight bathrooms, no bath. Sorry, eight bedrooms, no bathrooms. Um, We've got two kitchens. This is the commons room. Um, it used to be two rooms and we just combined them. It's a really nice open concept. And there's a hollow compartment right by the stairs full of treasure that we don't open. And a lot of people really love that. And there would have been an infinity pool, but that's where the train goes apparently. Fist shake. <laughs> and it's great because you can go out, you have your 360 train and you can just sort of curse at it. People really love that. We know a lot of buyers who are very interested. <laughs> Oh man. Oh yeah, I this okay, Prissy th- this is a true icon of horror herself. Icon of horror. Yeah, Prissy murderous blue innkeeper. Ball. Wow. Calling it the blue ball is just an open troll. Yes, we didn't even talk about that. Why is it the blue ball? Oh my god, the best. Um this has been a really spectacular one, Mara. I I can't believe we're just hearing about Prissy for the first time. Prissy is perfy. Is perfy. Love I have her. a I have a niece named Priscilla, and <gasps> I'm like I'm always unclear of what if if she had has a nickname what it should be because Scylla is a Greek sea monster and Prissy. Oh. I feel like you if you if you go by Prissy, you're going to end up murdering some some uh, uh, traveling salespeople. You're just it. It's like without a value judgment, you're assigning an entire personality based on a name, and yes. I think that's rough. Yes. Um, How many nicknames I, are just character insults? Could it be Pee Pee? Pee Pee. What do you think about Pee Pee? 
a sweet baby made from love named Pee Pee. <laughs> Worked so hard to bring a life into this world, and the name is Pee Pee. Um, wow. I like Scylla. I don't mind that it's a, a sea monster. That's true. That's true. It's no not like it's Charybdis that. or anything. Scylla's not bad. No, could be Lala. <laughs> And that, but that's also assigning a full personality. I know. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. <laughs> like, you and I are lucky in that we we don't really need nicknames, you know. Anna and Andrew are kind oh, of short enough. Yeah, people. Yeah, people. Well, your family calls you Andy. That's true. They do call me, Andy. Um, but it's the same people, number of syllables, which I'm always like, what's the deal? It's the same number of syllables. Yeah. Yeah, like a shortening is different from a nickname because people will try, they'll try Anna Banana with me and I just look at them like I don't respect them. <laughs> we all sort of move on. Anna Banana, um, unacceptable. The, oh, unacceptable. Um, well, I listen, it's the time of the podcast where I got a text from my boyfriend that says, just watched a 20 minute video about how bikes work. Wow. So we should really wrap it up. I'm gonna have to deal with this. Yeah, um, no, this feels right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna propose. Um, okay. I'm gonna propose five second scary ideas for things that could happen. Oh, that's great. Here, I'll get a timer. We'll say scary ideas for things that could happen, and then you press the thing. Okay, ready? Okay, yes. Scary ideas, ideas for, for things, things that could that happen. Could happen. <laughs> Go. You open a book, and the first page is just the description of you reading the book time that could happen oh my god that could happen <laughs> okay ready i Anna? love this yes wait no hold on okay i got it okay you are swimming in a lake and you look down and there is a ghost that could happen <laughs> that could happen <laughs> is everyone having fun oh my god that was the original idea of the segment was that they should be super sure i know but i like i like what it forces us to just blurt out (laughs) it's it's so much better it sounds like we are trying to to tell a scary story before the tower of terror elevator drops (laughs) oh god wait that's like we should do that sometime that is very fun um well everybody thank you so much for joining us once again um we've we've got a couple more weeks so please send us if you have any stories or treasured memories of the pod or anything uh you can send those to scary storypod at gmail.com and um you can also give yourself a hug because it doesn't cost anything hey i appreciate that yeah and for everybody else get get out out. forever (laughs) dog This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news.